Hello, and welcome to the Conservative Energy Podcast. I'm your host, Kayla Ventura. Joining me today is Michigan Land and Liberty Coalition Field Director, Brendan Miller. Brennan has served in this role since 2019 and has been on the ground working in Michigan, building connections for years. He's actually our longest serving Land and Liberty leader, seeing many successes across his time here. Prior to joining the Land and Liberty Coalition, Brennan worked with the Michigan Republican Party in Lansing, Michigan. Brennan's role with the party was primarily focused on canvassing and GOTV or get out the vote efforts in the 2016 election. Brennan helped position candidates for success by implementing aggressive and effective grassroots outreach strategies. And those are the strategies he carries with him in his role today. So Brennan, thank you for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Of course. So you, you've seen a lot of things in your time with the organization, the main one being growth. Uh, Michigan is actually where Mark Pache launched the Conservative Energy Network in 2016. And you have a good origin story there. Uh, the first chapter was that launched was the Michigan Conservative Energy Forum, and then Michigan was one of the first two land and liberty states. So, Brennan, can you tell us about how you first got involved with the network? Yeah, absolutely. So, it's kind of a convoluted system that I jumped into uh, compared to a lot of the other stories of being hired in directly from land and liberty. So, I started out with, uh, we'll call it proto land and liberty with uh, Five Legs Energy. And what I did there is essentially the same work as I do now on the ground, working with locals to build a connection uh, with township officials and to organize and to make changes. So that's what I did with Five Lakes Energy. And I think it was myself, and I want to say it was Jackson Keith, was also down there in uh, Indiana. And what ended up happening is uh, we moved to this renewables power uh, brand for like a moment of, in time. I remember having like a renewables power email for like two months. And then that got scooped up by uh, the CEN group and uh, met with Ed and later Mark and everyone else with the Michigan team. And within a matter of months after that, we became the Land and Liberty Coalition. I do believe it was in the summer of 2019. And uh, I was a part of that original group. So it was a great opportunity uh, being here now for over four years, going on five, not too long from now. Uh, it's been great, it's been a great opportunity and it's been really interesting working on the field. But my original entrance into renewable energy siting actually started prior to that. Following the 2016 election, you know, as any consultant, campaign consultant will tell you, you're looking for new jobs. And a job kind of fell into my lap. And it was a job for a referendum taking place in Huron County, which is the thumb of Michigan. So if you can picture the thumb, you can picture Huron County, it's literally the thumb. And in that county, they had a referendum on whether to expand wind turbines in the county as a whole uh, with the places that are county zoned. At that point, I do believe there were 11 wind projects already in the county and they were producing over 700 megawatts of power. And uh, in fact, that number is gonna be going up soon as a lot of these projects are being repowered. And the uh, cool thing about here on county is actually uh, many of these projects have been in place since the mid 2010s. So they've been operational for 
about 10 years, if not a little longer. I, I know one of them started in 2011, so over a decade now. Uh, it's really been the bastion of renewable energy. But anyways, back to 2017, uh, they had this referendum and I worked on the pro side and we failed. <laughs> it was a, a loss. We lost, I think it was like 65 to 35 in favor of uh, essentially stopping any further development of renewable uh, renewable energy, particularly wind in Huron County. And I got to see the inner workings of the opposition. It was pretty aggressive. I got to witness the divisiveness. I mean, the amount of township meetings I was in that, that turned rather brutal uh, happened. And uh, even, you know, I watched the fire department literally tear themselves apart over the project. A couple of them actually, you know, literally throwing out their fire chief and everything else because of it. So I seen just how divisive these projects could be way back then. And uh, that kind of set me off on a, on a journey to this position uh, that I'm on today. That's so cool to hear. It seems like it was the right issue that was hitting you at the right time and you're watching this opposition as you said get aggressive and um, have have really good techniques to try to stop um, what essentially is the ability to create and, and to use your own land for pri private property rights what you're trying to do on your land um, it's good to hear that you um, could come up against them a little bit do you want to speak a little further about um, you said there's some new wind that's going to be coming online in that project, you want to speak to how you pushed oh. back against the opposition and got that referendum maybe uh, re-looked at? Yeah, so the referendum isn't going to be re-looked at, but what instead is taking place is a repowering. So in other words, uh, there are a couple of projects in which they are using turbines that, quite frankly, are outdated. Mm -hmm. uh, so they're updating to newer turbines that uh, are much taller, but much less as far as quantity uh, and produce even more power. So those are taking place up there, which is great. And we actually were a part of the process uh, of protecting the Huron County Master Plan because there was a time where the opposition, I think it was a year ago, attempted to change the master plan in order to uh, add more negative language towards wind power. And actually, they they actually included something like uh, uh, terrorizing the community or something like that. I mean, it was really goofy language and we fought against that and, and luckily yeah. it didn't go in there. So. Uh, the repowering process is, is going off without a hitch. We were, we were at that meeting as well. So um, it, it, it's been an interesting journey because believe it or not, after that um, 2017 referendum in my own community, there was a wind project that was being proposed. Um, and I was kind of, I didn't really know how to feel after 2017 after that referendum because it was so divisive. And I actually went to a, a township meeting and believe it or not, I actually spoke out against wind turbines um because i felt like i actually got up and i remember what i said i said oh these things are so divisive i seen what they did up in huron county and it's just so divisive and then what ended up happening though is after that meeting um and actually during the meeting after i sat down i, I remember looking back and i remember seeing a uh, a childhood friends of mine's father who was a landowner who wanted to build uh, have wind turbines on his land and i thought to myself okay wait what am i doing and like literally the day after that i did some research and i, I thought to myself i thought who am I saying that they, the landowners, are being divisive? I was being divisive. The opposition is being divisive. They just want to do what's best for their family. What the heck am I saying? What the heck am I doing? 
And uh, I think it was like two months after that, I actually came back and said, hey, I retract everything I said. Uh, let these people do what they want with their land. Like, I don't know, you know, I, I got bought into the fervor. And honestly, it was actually a very heat, heated fervor. And I think that happens with a lot of people uh, over time. Uh, I think a lot of opposition folks, not all of them, of course, but many of them, I think, eventually get to this realization. And in my opinion, it was actually a maturity to say, you know what, what am I doing with myself? Why am I stopping someone else's prosperity just because I don't want to look at it? Um, and my position wasn't even, I don't want to look at it. I, I think they're fine. I mean, it's kind of ironic. Uh, people always talk about how ugly they look, but I drive up to Huron County on a regular basis and you don't even notice them anymore. It's just part of the landscape. So I, it's really just a, a force of change. And then the other problem I had too, that I, I came to the realization of is I call myself conservative and I consider myself a very strong conservative at that. What What is my, uh, what are my rights to tell someone else what to do with their property? And then also what is it my job to tell the free market what to do with energy? That came down to it as well. Uh, because the reason you're seeing these projects getting built is partially, of course, because of the environment, right? Because environmental conscious companies. But to be frank, it comes down to economics probably a little more. Uh, these are the cheapest form of electricity, wind and solar are. And the free market is driving it, not only from company demand, but also from utility demand because of those reasons. And me stepping in the way of that is anti-conservative and it's it's really crony it's really cronyistic in in a way uh and and that's not me so i did have an enlightening moment back in i think it was like summer of 2017 where i was like wow this is you know this is out of whack and we have to do something and i started getting involved and i said about a year and a half later on the side of uh you know farmers and landowners i actually met the landowners um in my project area afterwards and i worked with them and uh, we were made some pretty good progress, actually, in, in my hometown. So unfortunately, the project didn't get built because of uh, township officials, which, you know, you can't you can't control. And, you know, they make some weird decisions sometimes. Almost there, almost there. Almost there. Well, it, it's wonderful to hear that um, even without the referendum passing in 2017, you guys can kind of get creative to the ways that you can create more power by doing that repowering system. I love that. Um, and you're absolutely right. These forms of renewable power are good business sense. They are so we can get more affordable energy, so we can get more efficient energy powering our grid. Um, it just makes good business sense. I love that. Thank you for sharing. Um, so in you spoke to a couple of these um, problems that you've had coming up against um, referendums and speaking at township meetings, but can you speak to some of those great successes that you've had in your time with the organization? Yeah, uh, we've had a couple of projects uh, be permitted. And the thing about the Michigan system is in all reality, you're looking at two to three years when you uh, are gonna go from start to finish uh, even with the ordinance process. So take some time, takes a long time. And the other thing you have to consider is uh, for wind in particular, it's kind of challenging because we have what's called home rule. So townships are the ones who determine uh, the ordinances that are in place when it comes to renewable energy projects. And for example, there was a township or a county rather, uh, Mount Column County, uh, that had a wind project up there and it encompassed 12 townships 
which is huge. That means there's 12 meetings to go to every month and 12 meetings to get people to go to, and then 12 meetings also to try and convince their planning commission to pass a good ordinance. And in reality, you can win, uh, even if you win three out of, or even six out of the 12 townships, that could still kill a project because you need more to actually get the project built. So it's a very challenging environment in regards to that. But as far as successes go, uh, Serial City Solar, which is located in um, Calhoun County, uh, that one uh, was permitted not too long ago and groundbreaking is actually starting, I do believe, in the springtime. So I'm really excited about that. Uh, Gemstone Solar located uh, down in Jefferson Township in uh, Barron, Barron, I do believe it's Barron County. Uh, that one will be entering its construction phases very soon as well. And will be operate, actually it's already in construction, will be operational uh, in quarter four of this year. So we're seeing that progress be made. Uh, and there are a couple other projects too that we've been working on for quite a while that we've seen some success in. I mean, there's one particular project that we were almost certain would never see the light of permitting. And two weeks ago, they've finally moved it forward towards permitting. So that project will will eventually be built and, and we'll have steel in the ground and more solar onto the market. So we're really excited about that. And we're working on a bunch of other projects. When it comes to Michigan too, you have to kind of come to the realization that you're going to lose more than you win just because of the way the game is played and um, because of the system that we have. But when you have them that are built, they are going to be hopefully beacons for other projects to look towards both the ordinances and you know what it actually means to have solar in your community and it will be a positive in that positive form. So yeah, we've, we've had quite a few successes and of course we've had quite a few defeats, but it all is just part of the process here in the state. Yes, and how incredibly empowering it must be to see those steel going into the ground and seeing these projects stand up and, and serve the communities, then getting to go back and saying to the community, look at these benefits, look at what we've been able to bring. Um, hopefully it can inspire other mm. communities to allow these projects to, to move forward. Because like you talked about, it's not just... Um, one county. It can be multiple townships. And uh, you guys are not a, a large team. You are a team of two at this point, Adelaide and Liberty, Michigan team. Yeah, roughly uh, two and a cover. half, we'll say. Yeah, we'll say two and a half or, or one and a half kind of depends on the day, I guess. But yeah, I mean, we, we, we don't have a, a huge field force, but we are, I think, a force in the field. Um, you know, and I think of another project that we worked on, uh, Pegasus 2. It was an expansion of a, of a wind project located up in Tuscola County. That was a project that was extremely nasty. You're talking biggest antagonist of the wind era. I mean, we're talking about Kevin Martis, Norm Stevens, those types of people. Um, and we were able to get that in the ground. I mean, there was a court case, unfortunately, had to go through. There was a whole AZBA thing, but ultimately it's built and you can drive up and, and see the wind turbines up there and ironically the opposition talking points of all oh, the drive down values and people aren't gonna be able to sell their homes and you know everyone's gonna get sick with whatever random uh aff afflictions that they came up with that day has not come to fruition ultimately so uh, it is really great to watch that and uh drive by it as i said on a regular basis yeah, yeah, no, that's awesome. The team might be small in numbers, but is very large in presence across the state. 
absolutely. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, we've worked on projects at the very tip of the state and at the very bottom of the border. <laughs> yes, you guys definitely stay busy. <laughs> absolutely. Um, I want to uh, speak to have you speak to a few um, more challenges. Um, and can you explain um, what it's like the challenges trying to get projects cited here in Michigan and speak to those challenges? Yeah, absolutely. So. As I stated before, we have a township system. So every township has to create rules for building these projects. Uh, in other states, I know like Indiana and, uh, well, Indiana is a countywide system. So the counties decide solar ordinances. In Ohio, it's technically, they have a, a statewide ordinance essentially, but they can change things at the permitting level. But here it's every township and there are literally thousands of townships in, or I think over a thousand townships in the state of Michigan. Uh, so that's like a thousand different rules that can exist. Um, so citing a project can be very difficult. Opposition can get very heated. And I think it really comes down to a consideration that most of the townships that we work in are very conservative. The people are very conservative. And, and even like with myself, and I think everyone, I, I want to say probably everyone in the entire Land and Liberty Coalition, um, growing up as a conservative person or being in conservative circles at some point probably didn't like renewables. They probably seen renewables as a bad thing. I mean, as said myself, even I, I uh, there was a time where I would have said, oh, yeah, these are just, you know, government backed stuff, because that's what you hear all the time. You hear it from Republican circles, you hear it from uh, news media. So you just get this in your idea that, you know, renewables are just these big government funded bloated, uh, in, you know, industries, but that's not the case. That's not the reality. So changing the dynamic in these communities comes down to changing conservatives perspective on renewables, telling them the truth, not just the talking points that in all honesty, were true 20 years ago. Like it's true 20 years ago, these were not viable industries, but they are today. So to ignore that progress is is unreasonable uh, in the in the highest degree. So uh, that's the biggest challenge is converting these places and, and ensuring that they understand that these are not just big government boondoggles of energy. These are the future of energy and they are quite frankly, what conservatives ought to be fighting for because they are cheap, they're reliable, and they don't rely on a lot of the things that traditional energy sources rely on that are, I think, antithetical to the conservative message. So that's the that's the big fight here is fighting local townships, fighting the opposition, which can get very large, very rowdy. I mean, one of my first projects I ever worked on was in Casnovia in Michigan over in the west side of the state. And it was one of the nastiest ones. Cars got keyed on a regular basis, fights, I mean, this is this is a challenge that we have in Michigan. It's like a very aggressive opposition that can get kind of dangerous, to be frank, at times. I mean, there's been many times that I've been, you know, personally threatened or or uh, I know it's the case in other states as well, where, you know, you get personally threatened and attacked and, you know, you have people follow you after you leave a place. And as I said, cars get keyed. Um, and I actually had to escort out of a place once because there were so many threats that the police said, hey, we have to actually take you out because we're, we're worried about your safety. We can't do anything. <laughs> so, you know, that's just a common thing in Michigan for some reason. I think it's partially because uh, a lot of these communities that have people uh, who live in them are from more suburban areas. So they take that sort of suburban attitude that I call it the homeowner association attitude out to rural areas and expect the same thing of them while also uh, 
calling for the virtues of renewal, or sorry, rural values. So it is it is a very interesting dynamic we have out here. Wow, and, and it sounds like a very passionate dynamic. Um, and, and you talked about a lot of really important things, the, the battling of misinformation, um, the aggressiveness from the opposition. Um, and I wanna talk about one of the things you spoke about earlier, your own aha moment. Because at the end of the day, these, um, these renewable systems, they can be built with conservative values. And, and that is really what our organization is focusing for. And it's about having those conversations with conservatives to show them that their values align with these energy systems, with these projects, with creating more power. You spoke about how yeah, 20 years ago, some of these, um, I mean, the energy systems just weren't what they are today. Um, now we are to the point where wind and solar is the most effective and efficient form of energy. Um, why aren't we running, running to it to create homegrown power in our state? All right, now I want to head in um, to another question. Without sharing your secrets, can you tell us some of your best practices for grassroots leaders um, or small teams that are trying to make an impact? Yeah, absolutely. So number one is do not talk about climate change. I mean, I know that, that sounds antithetical to a lot of, a lot of these groups, they mean well, and uh, I know they mean well, and they're, they're very sincere in what they say, but the amount of times I go to a meeting and, you know, I get to speak and you have a couple of landowners, maybe even, you know, a couple other people who aren't landowners who, you know, just support the conservative, you know, property rights message. And then you have a, a person who has a means very well, but goes up and, and goes on a diatribe about climate change and how we have to make steps to stop it. It kills so much momentum. It kills it. Not only the opposition instantly, like it's, you can, you can vocally hear them go, oh, and then roll their eyes. And then you even see the township officials do the same thing. Um, you know, as much as it is a part of the messaging, sure, or it is a part of, you know, importance in, in that person's mind, they have to understand that they're going into a community with overwhelmingly conservative valued people. And even people, I've even talked to, to some people who are concerned about climate change, but they don't want to hear that brought up because, a township officials rather, they don't want to hear that brought up because one project is not going to change climate change. It's not going to affect climate change. So that, that doesn't put any bearings on this particular discussion. So I would just encourage anyone who is in a small group, particularly a liberal-minded small group, do not bring that up. All you do is you devalue everyone else who speaks before you who's in support and your own argument. Uh, use other tactics, use other messaging, particularly on the economics. Economics are critical. The amount of money that comes into communities from these projects are massive. And these are a lot of communities that are quite frankly dying. Um, they're losing populations, especially in the state of Michigan, they're losing population because when the auto industry went down, uh, many of these rural communities had people who worked in the auto industry. And, uh, you know, we were bedroom communities essentially, and, and people would drive two to three hours to their, to their job at GM, and it was a, a good liberal wage. Uh, but that's not the case anymore. So people are moving, they are leaving. Uh, luckily, a lot of the people who were working at GM when the things lost, they just were able to retire out, you know, many of them moved to Florida or whatever else, or they were just able to live on the land they already have. But nobody's sticking around, right? The young people aren't sticking around here because there aren't any jobs in, in these areas. Uh, there aren't factories coming here. So 
you're losing a significant amount of your tax base and it's only going to get worse as you know the populations continue to shift you know we're not seeing as many young people born in these communities as well um and schools are going to need additional funding sources whether that's through millages or something else uh so that's a good way these projects are a good way to bring new money in without the extra liabilities uh, and liabilities being, you know, uh, a family of five moves to a community. That's great. That's extra tax base. But now you have to educate their children and you might have to uh, pay for their water. And of course, police presence, and fire presence, everything has to come with it. Uh, so it's it's a net gain, but not nearly as much of a gain as renewables who don't, you know, a wind turbine doesn't have five kids that have to be educated. And as I always say, you know, solar panels don't throw parties in the middle of the night uh, that get police called out on them, you know, so. Uh, the economic benefits are, are critical to these communities, and it's going to help these communities survive, and especially farmers. And I think that the big argument, too, needs to be made that farmers need these sort of incomes. Uh, most of the farmers who I've run into, they're not selling all their land. Actually, most of them aren't even selling the land. Most of them are, are not are just leasing. But these farmers, for the most part, are not leasing all their land to solar or to wind. They're just doing a portion of it in order to stabilize their income. And what people don't understand about farming is one, the farming industry right now is, is a little oversaturated. Prices are uh, deflated in a lot of areas and uh, there's a lot of push to put more land in the CRP, which is a government funded program to uh, basically let land rest. And to have a community that pushes so hard against these projects say things like we have to protect our food sources is just ridiculous i mean there is no we're not going to run out of food if we cite these projects not even close most of most of what you see when you drive down the road are products that you are probably never going to see on your shelf it's probably going to feed or something else and those industries are going to do just fine without it there are a lot of product right now that is sitting in a silo somewhere that cannot be sold because graders just don't have the abilities to buy them because they're overstocked. So um, I would tell these small groups, stick away from climate change, stay away from that entire messaging system, uh, focus in on economic benefits to the community and to yourself because uh, opponents say all the time, this is only gonna benefit the landowners. No, it's not, it's gonna benefit everybody. And then also point to the importance of keeping the farms here, keeping the farms local and keeping the farms operating because that's what the opposition talked about all the time. So just point out this, renewable energy projects, these are the things that are gonna keep renewable, uh, sorry, keep farming operations local and keep the land in the family that you want instead of you know, large conglomerate farmers like is happening all across the state of Michigan. I love that. You mm -hmm. Industries and energy systems are changing. If we don't allow our, our community to change with them, our communities won't be able to stay around. Um, so I think that's 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 big. Maybe not lean on climate change, talk about those economics, talk about what the benefits really are, um, and let community members know that these projects are built with conservative values. Um, yeah, it, it, that's 100% right. And the, the only thing I would just point out is something I always point out is it's these farmers who are choosing to put their land in, not the government or 
anyone else telling them they have to do it. It's a choice that they make. And as it, for me, that changed my opinion completely because, you know, why am I standing against, why is anybody standing against someone else's personal choice? Though the people in the opposition wouldn't like it if the farmers had that same amount of veto power that existed over them when they wanted to build, I don't know, a 12 foot shed in their backyard and they said, oh no, you can't build that shed because it's within 2000 feet of my property. And I think you shouldn't be allowed to do it. They would be upset. They'd be saying, what do you mean? That's my property. I should be able to do what, what I want with it. Yet the opposition does the exact same thing on the opposite side of things. So it's really important to point that out and point out, these are farmers choosing to do this, uh, not anything else, not being forced to by the government, not being forced to by a company and not being forced to by a utility. Yes, no, very, very important distinction. They are choosing. Um, this isn't government mandates. These are private property owners that want to create their own energy. Let's let them. Exactly. Absolutely. Great. Um, one last question for you, and, and thank you. You've been wonderful today. Um, I just want to know, what do you find to be the most empowering part of this work that you get to do? By far, it's working with these people on the ground. Um, I'll, I'll give a story. We were at a meeting once. I want to say it was last year at some time. Uh, but opposition was there, probably 60 to 70 people against solar. And they were just ravenous. Calling out the landowners, like pointing to them during their speeches. And even though the township would try their best to like stop them from doing that, you can't, right? You can only say, don't do that, but it's already been done. And after the meeting even, uh, or and before the meeting, after the meeting, you know, these landowners are getting, you know, dirty looks and called all sorts of names all the time. But I, I was sitting with uh, this one landowner. Uh, she was in her, probably, I think her early 80s. And the land had been in her family for like three generations or something. So very long time. And, you know, her grandsons were farming some of it, but they couldn't farm all of it just because, you know, you can't farm what you used to. Uh, you have other jobs and you don't want to farm too much land because you take out an awful lot of responsibility. So they just couldn't farm some of those portions. Uh, so she's putting some of it into solar. And I got up and spoke and then I came back down um, and she, she didn't know who I was uh, originally um, just because I I'd met other landowners, not her. And she after I got done speaking, she like put her hand on my, my hand. She's like, thank you so much. Like nobody, you know, I, I, we feel like we're alone in this and we feel like everyone is against. So to have someone come in here and, uh, you know, fight for us and make us feel not alone is just so important, you know? So those are the sort of moments that I really appreciate is like helping people out. Cause that's really what it is. In my opinion, my job is preventing government tyranny. That's part, I think, really the key part of my job is preventing government tyranny and preventing what, you know, Rousseau called the general will from overpowering individual rights. In my opinion, and I, I would hope the opinion of most Americans, individual rights trump the general will. It's all about personal freedoms, about personal uh, choice in regards to what they do with their property. So, you know, being that person there fighting for that freedom that is what is most empowering to me, having those stories. And of course, those wins. I mean, when you fight for two and a half years on a project, and it's usually 
terrible two and a half years with back and forth and you finally get that project permitted it, it feels great and to know that those landowners finally are able to use their god-given rights over their property so that's the most rewarding thing to me wow that that's incredible to hear that uh, you get to feel that emotional impact of what happens when you stand up for property rights um and when you stand up for landowners and uh get to have give them a voice um wonderful to hear and like you said, just must be incredible to get to fight a fight that is not by any means easy. Um, one that you might not think you're going to win. And then years later to get to see, you know, steel going into the grounds, power going into a community um, because of the fight that you had. Continue to win those wins, continue to drive through um, your renewable communities that you see um, and make sure you take pictures and send them to us because we love those things. Yeah, absolutely. As I said, thanks for having me on. And as I said, I really do enjoy this job. I enjoy the work I do. And it's a rewarding experience to be what, what in my opinion, is the ground floor of protecting people against, you know, local government tyranny. Thank you for joining us for the Conservative Energy Podcast brought to you by the Conservative Energy Network. Our podcast is available on Spotify, YouTube, and Google Podcasts. You can learn more about CEN by visiting www.conservativeenergynetwork.org. Find us on X at Cons Energy Net, on Facebook at Conservative Energy Network, and LinkedIn at Conservative Energy Network. Mm-hmm.